Good afternoon. Welcome into the BetUS MBA show. We're glad to have you with us today. I'm Kate Constable, and I'm joined by our MBA handicappers, Chris Farley and Josh C. Only four games on the slate today, so it'll be a quick show in terms of those games that we talk about. But I really want to talk about some of the games we saw last night, starting with the Grizzlies upsetting the Utah Jazz. Chris, on the show yesterday, you called it. Grizzlies money line. How does it feel? It's so satisfying when that happens. <laughs> and I, so, I think I was probably more passionate about that play than any other play I've made on the show. And yet somehow it was not an official pick of mine. Maybe I can talk to the producers about that or something. Because <laughs> uh, I just left it off the board. But yeah, what, what a motivational spot for them. And they showed up from the very beginning. Uh, I was watching my New York Giants get their you-know-what handed to them. So that was unfortunate that I missed it. But I, I want to see what happened in the fourth quarter there. Jazz only scoring 22 points. Maybe the Grizzlies actually played some defense. But it was cool to see them win. That was that was uh, <laughs> qu- quite the underdog win there. I mean, plus 10 and a half. It was. And the Grizzlies needed that after getting blown out by the Timberwolves, a couple of terrible losses. This was very motivational bounce back spot for the Grizzlies there. Josh, did you watch much of that game and get to see what the Jazz did in that fourth quarter? I did. I did manage to catch all of that game. It was super fun from a neutral perspective and someone who wasn't invested in the game per se, but uh, it's great to see the Grizzlies bouncing back as someone who has some season-long tickets on them, so <laughs> nice to see them showing signs of life. Uh, I thought they did a much better job defensively in terms of actually, you know, playing to a level, I think, that a lot of people expected of them at that end of the floor coming into the year. You know, they weren't bad there last season at all. They were an above-average team, so showing signs of life at the defensive end was probably the most important thing for me, but from a Utah perspective, they stopped moving the ball in that fourth quarter a little bit. They started playing a little bit too much ISO ball, and that's that's not the best version of Utah. I think we can all say, you know, when they do move the ball, they're probably as good as any team offensively in the NBA. So uh, I'm sure Quinn Snyder will ensure that doesn't happen again in the near future, that's for certain. But yeah, a little bit lackluster, I think, from the home side, and probably overlooking perhaps Memphis a little bit in that spot, given what we've seen from the Grizzlies so far. But Like I said, I'm all aboard the Memphis train, so happy to see them back and and kicking on. It almost felt like the Jazz in that fourth quarter were playing not to lose versus to win, and that's not a form of the Jazz we typically see. But Jaron Jackson Jr. hitting that three to win, uh, very exciting for the Grizzlies. We had a couple, I don't know if I would call them necessarily bad beats. Well, a bad beat for Alex yesterday. He had the Thunder team total under 100.5. They scored 101. Poor Alex. He's he's hit or miss with those team totals. Usually he he hits them, but every once in a while he gets one of those really bad ones. Chris, our Wizards, that's not a bad beat. They were just bad yesterday. Lost by six when they were four and a half point favorite. But the Suns, you had them minus five and a half over the Spurs. They were up 13 with three minutes left. They ended up winning by four. Yep, that was exactly what I was going to say. Up 13 with three minutes left. How do you, how do you not cover that line? Uh, that was definitely a bad beat. Uh, apparently, the, the Wizards do not match up well against the Hornets because, I mean, basically the same thing happened twice there against the Hornets where they just kind of outran them. So something, something to do a little case study on there. The Wizards have to figure out how to, how to, how to, how to get around those high-pace, high-octane offenses. Yeah, they play two more times this season, I believe. So either we'll just stay away from those games or – do a case study and try and figure out what's going on before we bet them again. Let's take a look at our record overall before we jump into today's slate. Still looking pretty good as a team, 94 and 78. I'm sitting just under 500. Josh is with me there, just a few games under. Then Chris, 
31 and 17. Karen, the team, Alex is sitting at 25 and 18. Kicking things off today with the Miami Heat. They're in the Motor City taking on the Detroit Pistons. Heat are a nine-point favorite on the road. Total is set at 208. Heat lost on Saturday, but prior to that, they had won four straight coming into this game with two days rest, while the Pistons are coming off of a loss to the Lakers and a bloody brawl during that game. So hopefully they've gathered themselves since that game and, and come ready to play tonight. They are just 4-12 and 12 on this season, but they have covered three straight at home. So Josh, you and I both like the Heat minus nine in this one. What's your case for the Heat covering? Well, firstly, let's hope Bam Adebayo plays, because when I locked this bet in, he was not on the injury report, and now he is questionable, um, which is never fun, and that is, I guess, the NBA in all its glory for sports mm -hmm. bettors. But look, I still like Miami here. I think that Detroit's offense is going to struggle to score consistently against the Heat, and that's probably the biggest point of emphasis here. It's always a little bit concerning for me when you get uh, a low total like this, uh, a team like Miami, who's you know the second slowest team in the NBA at the moment, um, and then you have a double-digit spread, and they're on the road, and you know those things don't necessarily combine, and there's not a whole lot of correlation there. But when you break it down, I think individually at, at both the offensive and defensive end of the floor, Miami has so many advantages that a they should be able to score at will i mean we saw the lakers in the first half of that game basically scoring at will and getting any shot they wanted miami will pretty much do the same and that they'll be able to generate really good looks uh, in the areas that they want to do so and i don't think there's really much detroit can do to stop that um and like i said the flip side is detroit's offense is just going to really struggle to generate anything i think against this miami defense um, and that's probably the biggest concern for them here like you said, coming off a game like that Lakers one, which was um, feisty, shall we say, and, and, you know, so, I think, volatile emotionally, it's it's difficult to really gauge what impact that has, I think, on a young team like Detroit as well. It's certainly going to be both physically draining and emotionally draining and how they back up. They've, yeah, they've had a night off, but, you know, when it's when it's a team like that and that doesn't have necessarily the leadership and, and you know, veteran presence that some of the other NBA teams do have, uh, you don't know how they're going to respond. And I don't think playing the Miami Heat of all teams is one that you want to be playing either. So, um, look, my line for this game was uh, between 10.5 and, and 11. That's obviously assuming Bam Adebayo is in. Um, even without him, I still make it about a 9. So you're getting fair price on the market. And like I said, when you're looking at the matchups a little bit deeper, everything sort of points to a Miami win here and pretty comfortably. Chris, you like the Heat minus 5.5 in the first half. Is that uh, some of reasoning there that the Detroit Pistons might come out a little flat after everything that happened in this last game? Yeah, definitely. That's part of it. I mean, we're looking at two teams here who are really, really different as far as you know, veteran experience on the on the court goes, right? Miami Heat are full of veterans. They're full of guys who have been through everything in the NBA before. Pistons have not. This is this is a bunch of young players who are trying to figure out their games. Uh, so that's definitely part of it. The the, uh, the fact that Miami hasn't played since Saturday is a part of it, right? They they lost to the Wizards in that game, uh, in the second game against Washington. So I expect them to come out hot because of that as well. Both of these teams also have back-to-backs tomorrow. They have uh, Detroit is at Milwaukee, Miami is at Minnesota. So I could just see Miami maybe slowing down a little bit in the second half. We've seen that a lot in the NBA this year. 
I, I hope they don't, you know, for everybody's uh, bets here. Uh, and I would definitely still lean towards full game towards Miami for sure, especially if Bam Adebayo plays. I mean, the Miami defense is so good in the paint in particular. So that's going to force these Pistons players to shoot the ball from the outside a lot. They're not particularly efficient from the outside. Although uh, a bet, maybe a hedge, if you will, is I'm looking at Cade Cunningham, who is getting a little more comfortable. Uh, he scored over two and a half threes in four, uh, four of his games so far. I think he's played 10 or 11 games. So, you know, so he's hitting at about one third of the time. But this is one of those games where when we have uh, Olenek is out, Isaiah Stewart's out because of that suspension. So that's going to force Jeremy Grant to probably switch into that center position. Uh, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of success down low. So they're going to have to pitch that ball out. And Cade Cunningham is probably going to take more attempts from beyond the arc than usual. So there is there are bets out there. I saw at BetUS over one and a half. It's very juiced. Um, hopefully that line changes to over two and a half because I would like that even more. But I think Cade Cunningham gets a few threes in this one to try and you know, try and keep his team in the game. Uh, although I don't, I really I can't see a situation where the Pistons are going to be able to stay in this game unless the Heat mail it in at some point. So I really liked them in the first half. Uh, my line is also a ten and a half full game, minus five and a half for the first half too. So it's right where the line is. But for the situation, the rest, and for all the injuries for the Pistons, I really like Miami in the first half. And I, I really, if Bam Adebayo plays, I'll probably lay extra, extra coin on, on them in the first half and full game too, because I just don't see the Pistons being able to keep up. I like the Miami Heat in this game too, the full game minus nine. A lot of the reasons you just said, Chris, Miami is second in opponents' points in the paint, so they defend there really well. Detroit's also 29th in field goal percentage, and they're dead last in the league in three-point percentage. So Miami is not going to allow them to score inside. They're going to force them to have to take outside shots where the Pistons are not very accurate. Uh, so that will lead definitely to uh, in favor of Miami in this one. So I like them at minus nine. Official picks for this one, Chris is taking the first half minus five and a half in favor of the Heat, and Josh and I are playing the full game Heat minus nine. Moving on to the Denver Nuggets, they're in Portland tonight to take on the Blazers. Blazers are a six and a half point favorite at home. Total is 214 and a half. Nuggets coming into this one on a four-game losing streak. They've been without Nikola Jokic. They've been without Michael Porter Jr. Now Bones Highland, a rookie for them, is out with an ankle sprain. So they are struggling in terms of personnel on the floor. And Blazers, they've been rolling. Won four of their last five. Uh, the only loss in that stretch, though, came to the Denver Nuggets. And that was by 29 points. So we have a little bit of a revenge situation on our hands here tonight for the Blazers. Josh, you're playing the under 214 and a half in this one. Are the Blazers going to try and slow this one down? It certainly seems that way. Um, you know, like you said, they're rolling at the moment. And I think a lot of that is starting to understand the system that Chauncey Billups is trying to implement. And as a result, you know, things have been slower for them. They look a little bit more deliberate at both ends of the floor. Um, they're very content playing in the half court. They don't have any interest, it seems, in pushing out in transition and lifting the tempo, which is interesting. So that might just be the new Portland. And I think trying to get ahead of that in the market might just be our best bet for the next week or two until things catch up. But, uh, you know, Denver just can't catch a break at the moment. It's, it's you know, it's brutal. Um, a lot, obviously, of this game depends on what happens with Nikola Jokic exactly. I kind of want him to play and I would feel a lot more comfortable taking the under. I haven't actually locked it in yet, but I will be. Um, like I said, when he does... Or a decision comes either way, I think, and we see what happens with the market there exactly. 
it's it's difficult sometimes to get an understanding of how teams perform minus their superstar in terms of the style of play. And, you know, they did try and push it a little bit more against Phoenix last time out, not all that successfully. And I think a lot of that did have to do with the Suns, who have become a little bit more up-tempo themselves over the past fortnight. So you might want to keep an eye on that one. But like I said, if Portland are the ones that are able to control the tempo in this one, which I anticipate they will be, then we're going to get a slower game. We're going to get a very deliberate half-court pace, I think, um, back and forth in this one. So I do lean the under as a result. Uh, I do lean towards Portland, who I think, like you said, are finding their straps a little bit. And it was interesting reading a comment from Damian Lillard, I think it was a few nights ago now, or maybe sometime last week, where he said that, you know, they're still trying to learn the system. And a lot of it is, you know, him bringing the ball up the court and trying to recall what the plays are. And, you know, it's not quite as fluid as what it was a season ago, given that, you know, they've been in the same system for so many years. And I found it interesting because I think it's a good reflection as well on a couple of other teams with new coaches. Indiana Pacers are one, Boston Celtics another one. Those three teams for me in particular have all underperformed, I think, in the first month of the season in terms of where I was expecting them to play. Uh, and all seem to be finding their groove around the same time as well. And I think that might be worth buying on them more often than not in these next few weeks, uh, just given that, you know, maybe the market's not quite catching up to exactly where they are. And the team themselves, I think, are starting to find rhythm there. So I do think Portland comes out with a win here. I think the line is pretty much fair, but I do lean towards the under and I will be locking it in once we get some Nikola Jokic updates. A really good point you made, though, Josh, to wait to see if Jokic is playing because the over has hit in the Nuggets two losses without him because they play at a faster tempo when he's not on the floor. On the other hand, though, the Nuggets bench has the worst net rating in the league. And Bones Highland, who I mentioned, was out with that ankle sprain. He was a bright spot on that bench. And without having him tonight, that'll slow them down even more. Uh, Chris, this, the spread is at six and a half in favor of the Blazers, but they are starting a three-game road trip after this, and it's a pretty intense one. They go to the Kings, the Warriors, and the Jazz. So this being the front end of a back-to-back for them, any concern laying the six and a half? Yeah, I was actually trying to find a way to lay a money line bet on Denver because of that spot. I mean, Denver has off until Friday, so this is like, you know, their last game, get to celebrate a little Thanksgiving here in the States and move on till Friday, actually rest. So that's nice. Uh, and, and like you said, Portland has to turn around and face Sacramento tomorrow. Uh, there are some trends in this game going towards the over. Now, you know, keeping it relative, so the over is 8-3 and three in the last 11 meetings in Portland between these two teams and 7-1 and one in the last eight meetings between these two teams. That being said, you know, Jamal Murray was in those games. Lillard was playing a lot better, right, a lot more fluid. Uh, you know, Jokic was healthy. Uh, so, so this is a different circumstance. I like a lot of stuff that Josh said, and I'm actually going to take a look at some of those things that he was saying, because I do think this probably is a Blazers team that's figuring themselves out. They, they sure as heck like to play at home. I mean, eight and one at home. So this is, I believe, um, home favorites are 70% straight up winning. Uh, they cover around 54%. So home favorites are still covering on a regular basis. And I think Portland has the advantage here at home again, because they love it so much. But this is a scrappy Denver team. You know, we don't know if Jokic is going to play again tonight. I mean, for what I saw, he's still questionable. Uh, I think it might be worth just a sprinkle on Denver just because of how they handled Portland last time. Now, Lillard was not in that game either. But this is a team that's figured themselves out. Whereas if, if Jokic gets a, gets a late add to this game, uh, I've talked about it before on this show, Jokic is the closest thing to a quarterback um, in the NBA, just as far as the the entire Denver Nuggets team just becomes a different team when he's in the, in the lineup because he stands up at the key, facilitates the ball. 
and is one of the best in the NBA at doing it. So they kind of lose that leader and they lose a lot of presence there on the court on defense and offense. So, uh, you know, if you, if you think that Jokic isn't playing, I think the value is definitely on Portland. But if he is, there might be some sneaky value here on the Nuggets uh, because they, they did beat them handily last time. They did. By 29, Chauncey Billups, head coach for Portland, said after the game that his team's effort was just very poor from the start. So you got to believe they're going to be coming out here with a little bit more effort in this one. But, I mean, to be beat by 29, that's not necessarily just a fluke. That was that was the Nuggets really handling them nicely there. Josh taking the under 214 and a half in this one. Um, and then keeping an eye on what Nikola Jokic's status is later today. Moving on to the Dallas Mavericks in L.A. tonight to take on the Clippers. Clippers are laying four and a half at home. Totals 210 and a half. This is the second game of a two-game series between these two teams. The Clippers won by six on Sunday. I say this every time we talk about these little mini-series, that it's hard for a team to sweep. The Mavs played the Suns on Wednesday and Friday of last week, and the Suns swept them in that one. Chris? And the Suns, can the Suns, can the uh, Clippers, excuse me, sweep the Mavs in this one? They certainly could. I mean, this is a Clippers team who the only <clears throat> the only offense, excuse me, that they really struggle against are high-octane offenses. I wouldn't call the Mavericks a high-powered offense. Um, <laughs> they're not They're not exactly consistent um, in, that, in that way. But that being said, I mean, when they do shoot the ball well, they do. And in their last game, 20, 20%. From the perimeter, uh, just just not a good look, just not a good shooting game for the Mavericks in that one. And that was also without Luka in that contest. They kept that game pretty close. I believe they lost by six. Uh, so it's just it's a really interesting matchup from that perspective because both of these teams, I mean, you could really draw a line on the Clippers. You can see every game that they lose the three-point battle, they usually lose that game. And if they win the three-point battle, then they usually win that game. Uh, I expect positive regression from a lot of players in the Mavericks from beyond the arc. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Finney Smith, Persingas, they're all well below their averages. They're shooting about 32, 33, 34%, whereas they usually average around 37, 38%. Um, and that first game, Tim Hardaway Jr. was two for 12 from the field. You know, when Luca's not in the game, we don't know if he's going to be in this game, a game time decision, apparently, um, unless you guys have late breaking news that I don't, I'm not aware of. Uh, but, uh, you know, when Luca's not in the game, Tim Hardaway Jr. usually steps up. And even even on a bad shooting night from him, against the Clippers in that last matchup, the the, the Mavericks kept it close. Uh, so I think there's some value here still on the Mavericks. You know, this is, they're a decent team. I mean, for all we say about Persingas, I'm not a big fan of his either, but he's been shooting the ball pretty well this year. I mean, he he, he has a significant advantage when you're seven foot and you can shoot the ball like that. Uh, so, you know, I like, I like the guards and the Mavericks. Uh, another thing I'm looking at here as another hedge, since I do have the Mavericks, uh, plus four and a half, I believe, or plus five. Uh, I kind of like Zubak to go... Zubak to go yeah. over uh, nine and a half points, right? Nicholas Batum is still out of this one, and we know that Dallas can be really soft in the paint on defense. Nine and a half points is 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 not a tough uh, line to hit for Zubak. Um, he's he scored over nine and a half points eleven out of seventeen games this season, and I think he's going to have a lot more opportunities than usual down low with Batum out. Uh, that's going to be my hedge for this one. I have a little money on the Mavericks small play, but also have a little on Zubak too to. To clean up down low but it's it's an interesting matchup because both of these teams are really predicated on that three-point shot the mavericks shoot a ton of three-pointers every game uh they're they're still top 11 in that category but they're also very good on defense against threes so in the last game we didn't see that happen i think that they'll improve that this time 
Of course, if Luca's in this game, then I feel a lot better about my bet. Well, Chris, I hate to burst your bubble, but I don't believe Luca is going to be playing tonight. No. A reporter for a Dallas uh, local reporter said that at yesterday's shoot around that Luca was scrimmaging afterwards and re-aggravated his ankle or knee um, while running through that scrimmage. And she said it seemed fairly serious to the point where uh, it would be surprising if he did play tonight. Now, that's just one reporter. Who knows the validity yeah. of that report uh, or what what Luke has done in the last 24 hours to get ready for this. So very well could be playing, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Josh, do you have a lean in this one either way? Uh, not a strong one either way. I think it's pretty fair across the market here. Um, if Luca plays, I probably make this Clippers minus three. If Luca doesn't play, I make it probably minus five and a half, six. So looking at where the line sits, it's very clearly in between the two. And I think that they'll be willing to adjust either either way. Um, just to throw another spanner in the works of the Luca situation was that uh, I did hear that he did go through morning shoot around. So that's always a pretty good indicator that he's at least trying to play today. So yeah, for what it's worth, I mean, he is still, I think, very much going to be the true definition of a game-time decision in this one. Uh, but look, the, the way these two teams match up, I think we saw the first time when they played a couple of nights ago. Both are very, like you said, Chris, uh, perimeter-centric offenses. And when it comes to situations like that, I trust the team that probably has the better tools defensively to be able to cope. And that's probably going to be the Clippers. And I think they've shown themselves to be a genuine defensive team this season. Um, I think that they just have the length uh, and discipline to disrupt Dallas and to not give up the type of open shots that they were able to generate the other end. The Clippers themselves didn't shoot particularly well from deep either in that one. So if I had to pick something, I'm probably going to go with the Clippers I'd lay the points with the Clippers, sorry, if I had to. Um, however, if Luca was to play, I probably would take the Dallas Mavericks with the points. So it's one of those situations where yeah, it's it's very easy for me to stay away until we get clearer news, I think, on this game. Um, I would lean the unders again, even though you know they, these two teams may be a little bit more familiar with each other. It's still tough to see how either side can, I think, change all that much offensively in the short period of time. They're probably both going to just rely on what they did, and they're both probably going to put a little bit more emphasis on their defense to stop the other team. So I would lean the unders there. My model says to play the unders. I haven't actually done so yet, and I'm not too sure I will either. So, yeah, this game, a, a real sort of headache for me to try and uh, work my way through everything, and that's why I'm just staying as far away as possible. It is kind of a headache. And the Clippers this morning skipped their morning walkthrough because yeah. of health and safety protocols. Nick Batum has entered the health and safety protocol. And so just to be cautious, they decided to cancel their walkthrough this morning. Uh, I don't know what that necessarily means. I don't know if there's anyone else on the team that could be having something, if, if guys are getting tested or what, but just another uh, wrench thrown in there in terms of kind of the unknown of what might happen. Marcus Morris also could return tonight. He is, uh, I believe, questionable as of today could be making his big return. So a lot of unknowns in this game and definitely uh, things to keep an eye on as the game gets closer. So official plays on this game, Chris is taking the Mavericks at plus four and a half. Questions, thank you for sending those in. 
Any Laker player props with LeBron out versus the Knicks? This is an interesting game because Anthony Davis is questionable. On the other side, you have Derrick Rose, who's dealing with an ankle injury. No LeBron. Any thoughts in terms of player props here? Either of you. Um, yeah, I, look, I came prepared this time, guys. I, <laughs> I, I did my homework and I was ready for this one. Um, I, I have to say... For that game in particular, you've got to look at Julius Randle, um, largely because the Lakers just cannot stop big wings. And we've seen it the last few games now. I mean, Jeremy Grant got hot last game for quite a little while there. Jason Tatum before that. Um, you know, I think it's the last four or five games in a row now they've given up thir- or close to 30-plus points per game to wings. I think Randle's absolutely going to get his way against this defense that still hasn't managed to work anything out whatsoever. Um, you know, his usage is going to be there. His volume is going to be there. I think the points, rebounds, assist number for Julius Randle makes perfect sense for me, just given uh, how involved he'll be in the offense and how, shall we say, stagnant the Lakers' defense is likely going to be, irrespective of who plays. And, yeah, I, I think Anthony Davis is going to sit personally, just based on what I was reading before. And I think that they're probably just going to mail this game in a little bit, um, in which case, you know, you have to like it that little bit more, right? There's just absolutely no one that can stand up to Randall, I think, physically or match up to his size naturally. Chris, any thoughts on this game? Otherwise, I will give you the question of what do you think of Detroit team total under 99 and a half? I think that's a good look. Uh, everything we said about the Pistons in that game against the Heat, right? I think they're really going to struggle to score. It would, again, a uh, much better opportunity if Bam Adebayo's in that game and the way that he defends the paint, especially with Isaiah Stewart out of this game and Olin to get out of the game. And the Pistons are not only one of the most talented rosters in the NBA, but now they're a little depleted with some of these injuries and suspensions, et cetera. So uh, probably a great bet there uh, to take the 99.5, whoever asked that question. Uh, as far as the Lakers or Knicks can go, uh, as soon as I saw that line, I'm just going to stay as far away from it as possible. Uh, I like I like what Josh said about um, Julius Randle as probably a really good look in this one. Just, you know, two teams that need to find their identity. You know, I mean, is, is Russ going to fit in here? Are we going to find a way for Russ to fit in? The Knicks were such a good defensive team last year, and they're just not quite that so far. You know, Nerland's Noel is back now, so that should make a, a difference. But is, is he the, the big difference maker that's going to turn the corner for the Knicks on defense? I, I, I don't know. So uh, just, that's a watch. That's a stand back and watch game for me. And if I could just add... Um, one of these days, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when I'm going to get a free day, but I'm going to have a whole day where I just work on saying these players' names because it's, it's bad. I think I said uh, Batum instead of Batum. I mean, I'm just, I'm just butchering these names. So I hope that. Batum because I said Batum for years, and I still don't even know if I'm right. So if anyone in the comments okay. wants to let us know if, how, how to say that name, if we're saying it right, feel free. Yeah, sometimes I have the utmost confidence in, 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 you know, how I say these names. And then you two say them totally different. I'm like, oh, my God. What am I? <laughs> so, I'll work on that. <clears throat> well, who would have thought that the Lakers-Dicks first game at Madison Square Garden this year would have been a LeBron-less game, possibly um, without Anthony Davis? Just not a very exciting. It's not living up to the hype that the, the Lakers-Knicks in New York typically do. So unfortunate there. But um, definitely Julius Randle. Points, rebounds, assists is a great play um, for a player prop there. Josh, thank you for that. Let's take a look at our official picks for this day. Tonight's slate. The Heat, couple bets on the Heat, full game and first half. 
Chris likes the Mavs, and Josh is going with the Nuggets Blazers under in that one. That is all we have for you today. Just a short slate. We would love it if you would give us a like, thumbs up, subscribe to our channel here. That way you always know when we're coming on. And we will be off later in the week for Thanksgiving, but we will be back with you tomorrow. So we'll see you then.